Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and I'm so excited to be chatting with Paige Bramlett today. She is a fellow foster mama, and her story is a fun and unique one. So thank you so much for being here, Paige, and for sharing. Yes, I'm excited. Yay. Okay, well, let's dive in with you just sharing just how you became a foster mama and what that looked like for you. Yeah, so it's crazy story. It sometimes still doesn't feel real when I even say it even out loud to myself. (laughs) Um, So I was working at a small school down the road um, from where I grew up. And I was just a special education um, instructional assistant. They call it here in Indiana, just an IA position. I loved it. I loved my job. It was a very good transition after spending a summer nanny in a family. Down the road was where I grew up in the small school in the small town, and it was kind of an in-house recommendation referral, if you will. I got phone calls and emails and said, hey, there's a position open. We're actually going to open a whole whole new position for this child. Um, He has severe PTSD and trauma behaviors from foster care. He's actually still placed in foster care. And it was just this whole spiel that wasn't posted. The job was not posted. It was just kind of an in-house referral. It was kind of similar to what I was doing previously at the school down the road. And I considered it, but I loved my kids that I was with. And it was easy at that school. And this job sounded very difficult. (laughs) It was about two days after that, I interviewed with the principal at that school that wanted me there. And prayed a lot about it. It was hard, but it was also like the hardest, but easiest yes that I had ever, I just felt like it was like falling in my lap. And then I was just like, go. So I said, yes, I jumped into that position. I believe it was the end of August. So the kids had been there, you know, for almost a whole month. At this point, we start school in August. So they were still learning and um, me coming in was kind of a, you know, throw like, here's an, you're starting a new school. You're finally getting used to your teachers. And then here I'm a new face in the school. Um, So they started me one-on-one with this little boy and he um, was hard. (laughs) I, it was hard. It was a very, very, very challenging time. I would, very often go home and cry. I lived with my parents still at the time. I worried sick about him. He was only in school for two hours a day and had lunch and recess alone. And really there was just no academics and it was really just behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so that was (laughs) really hard for me and really hard for him. So he was always at school every day. He never missed a day um, until around October, like Halloween time. He did not show up one day and he had disclosed some things that was that were 
going on in the home that he was in at the time. And it was tragic. It was hard. Um, here in Indiana, you know, you call and you make those calls and you, um, you know, we call it DCS here and, we, you know, you call them and you can report all this stuff. And it's just, it doesn't seem real. Like when you're saying it out loud and like, that was the hardest part for me to realize, like, this is what this child's telling me, you know? And so he did not show up one day at school and came, came the next day. And I was so glad that he had been removed from this home that he was in and put in an emergency home. And it was then that it was kind of like, where is he going to go? Like, this is just a placement that's not for long term. And, you know, you think of back of being in school and those kids that were removed all the time, like when we were in school and you never saw them again, like they were just gone or the kids that moved all the time, they were just gone. And I was so scared that my student that I was hired for and that I learned to love and adore and same, we, the mutual feeling with him was going to be gone. So he went to a sweet uh, old couple's home for quite some time. And that was over the holidays. So like Thanksgiving and Christmas kind of led into that. And I got to visit him. I got to spend a lot of time with him outside of school. And then I <laughs> passed his caseworker in the hallway one day and I looked at her and I said, hey, I heard that he is needing a forever home <laughs> and she's like yeah and I look like I'm 12 years old and I never <laughs> wore makeup to school because school starts early and I probably looked like I was some cadet teacher in high school um and she just looked at me and I will never forget the look it was just like huh <laughs> so she had asked me like why are you asking and I was like well what do I need to do to pursue to become his forever home, like whatever that means. And I was like, and I remember writing in my journal in middle school that if I was single by like 27, I was going to adopt. <laughs> it did not look like the foster care system. You know, you think back and you're like, oh, it's so beautiful. Adoption is so great. There's no struggle or trouble. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I just had this perception of adoption, you know, and as a younger child looking like, you know, you see all these people adopting when you're younger and it just looks so great and feels so great. And I never knew what that really meant. So in those moments, I said, what does it take? And we stayed in contact. I was licensed in a short two weeks. Wow. He came to my care in January of 2020. And he's been with me ever since. He was adopted, well, not last month, it's December, October 13th, which was, or October 11th. Yes, October 11th, we went to the courthouse and he is mine forever. And so that's just like a short snippet of the story. Um, it is crazy. It is the wildest ride I've ever been on. Um, we lived with my parents for a little over a year and just recently have our own little place now. Andy's getting a puppy tomorrow. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. <laughs> oh, he's sleeping, he's sleeping. <laughs> it's a surprise. I get her in the morning. That's all he's asking Santa for. So oh my gosh. it's going to be crazy. So he's getting a new best friend. 
But yeah, it's been crazy. (laughs) Wow. I mean, this is like one of those stories that you're just like, okay, this is not, you don't hear this every day. You don't hear like the teacher hunting down the caseworker in the hallway being like, so this child needs a forever Mm -hmm. home. What made you like, when did you start thinking about that? At what point in the process were you like, maybe I could be this child's mom. Like maybe I could be the forever answer for this babe. I don't even remember. Like I was Miss Page and I was Mm -hmm. Miss Page for a very long time. I never pushed mom. And so like, I think it really just felt like he was with me all the time. Like Mm -hmm. at the beginning, it was so weird. It was one of the weirdest feelings. And I do, somebody asked me this not too long ago, you know, when did he start calling you mom or, um, and so I think back to that hallway conversation, I'm like, I didn't know what words were coming out of my mouth. Um, my parents mm-hmm. were in Colorado um, visiting or yeah, they were just on vacation. And I remember sending a text right after that conversation, like, hey, um, and they knew him, you know, they knew like the stories and my tears. And I'm like, what would you guys think of me like pursuing to become his forever home? And they never said like, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. It was just like a God. That's like the only thing that I can really say. Like, I just feel like it was the easiest, but yet hardest decision I've ever made in my entire life. Mm -hmm. And it just felt like it was right. I joke often too, because it's like, how, how it all came about, like how it all started, you know, I didn't want to leave my job that I was at and how it just came about. And that position opened up so uniquely, you know, and randomly, you never hear of two behavior specialists in a school, um, in a small town, (laughs) in an elementary school. So yeah, it has, I don't, I mean, I don't have an answer for that because I don't know what that led to. It just, Mm -hmm that's it just happened like it just happened when it was supposed to happen and that that thought just kind of came out as you saw her that's amazing how old was he um when you first started when you were his his school helper at first so he was five he was in kindergarten okay and he his birthday is like in February so he very quickly when he came to me we celebrated his sixth birthday and then Yes, it's so weird. He's about to be eight years old. And it's crazy that I've known him since he was five. And you know, when they're five, they're babies, they're yeah. cute, and they can get away with things. And now he's like, his own person. And it is <laughs> the wackiest thing. I like, we just went to Christmas at the zoo tonight. And he's just walking out with his hot chocolate. And I'm like, <laughs> when did you become a teenager? Like, yep. it happens. And they're so right when they say don't blink, because yeah it has happened so fast (laughs) truly well let me ask you this did anyone in your life either your parents or extended family or friends or anyone at your school that you worked at was anyone like Paige oh my gosh like we totally hear you we love your big heart Paige like this is too much like this is too too much like you don't need to like save the world like was anyone giving you this like don't do this you don't need to do this Yes. And you know, I really just had this vision. I had these blinds up on the sides of my eyes and I just remember there was so many negative comments thrown at me by several different people. I know 
a lot of it was chitter chatter behind and not to not to me directly. So I heard through the grapevine, you know, at the school and I didn't go back to the school after Christmas break. So I pulled him from that school and we transferred to another district, which was kind of, you know, a fresh start from the trauma that had happened in that town, if you will. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a lot of hate, a lot of hate, a lot of why are you doing this? How are you going to do this? Yeah. And yeah, so I think those certain people, I will say, have reached out and have said, you know, like, and a lot of it came out of the woodwork too, when the adoption, when it really started happening. Um, I had, and my, I'm, I mean, I'm about, I'm turning 26 this month. And I mean, my life has drastically changed. And I don't remember what life was like before. And so I know too, like when I look back at pictures and stuff, I, I don't remember that time. And I know like looking at it from an out, outside perspective too, I have to remember my friends that are my age who do not yet have children of their own or who are like, why aren't you starting a family before you adopt? And I've had several of those comments, but for the most part, my inner circle has been very good. And it was hard at first because of the behavior. It was hard to who I could be around, who wanted to be around. And yeah, so and to get your family to understand trauma-informed parenting has been a very difficult thing. Mm. Um, But for the most part, I would say several people were on board just as much as several people were like, what are you doing? How are you doing this? And why the heck are you doing this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that this school was a lot I was hearing, you know, like, I, this isn't going to work. It's just going to be another disruption that those comments were definitely said. But other than that, I would say we've had a lot of people rooting for us and cheering us on. That's so good. I know I asked that because I, we've had that experience too. And our situation was like much more like textbook, if you will, than yours. So I can only imagine that there must be people who, I don't know why, when people start to talk about foster care and adoption and things like that, people are like, all of a sudden they get their like expert hats on and they want to start telling you like why the reasons why you shouldn't or the reasons yeah. why it's going to be hard. I'm like, or you could just be like, wow, what a cool thing to explore. I'm happy that you're exploring that. Like, let that be, you know, that's going to be hard. And exactly. you know, like it's going to be hard, but I believe in you or you yes. know, and that's, and it's so easy. I've had so many people, you know, it's just so easy to get down in those moments too when people say like my worst the worst one that I cannot stand is oh he's so lucky yeah um I struggle with that one because no I'm the lucky one what he has gone through is not lucky that is Mm -hmm. not luck and so I hear that or you know you're awesome or you you are such a superhero and that is I think one of the worst things you can say to a foster and adoptive mom And like I was saying, it's just so unique and different because I am not your typical foster mom of opening the doors and saying goodbye when it's time to say goodbye or opening the door and having that revolving door open to accept more children. My license is only Mm -hmm. specifically geared towards this child, Mm -hmm. but I still dealt with the foster system. So I was still a foster mom. Um, Indeed. And I dealt, yeah. And it's just a broken world that so many people are not 
enlightened with. Yeah. And Paige, what I love about your story is it really is an encouragement to people just to, instead of asking like, why being like, why not? Like what, what would it look Mm -hmm. like? Even if like the answer isn't you, but just to even be thinking about like, not just like, I'm going to work, I'm clocking in, I'm clocking out. Like, Mm -hmm. no, there's, this is a human child who needs a forever home. And if I care about this child, what does that look like for me to then care about their situation? Whether it's, yes, you foster and adopt them, or you involve yourself in some way Mm -hmm. to try to help that happen for that child that you care so much about. And I just love that. It's so amazing. I remember reaching out to what going along with that. It was crazy how, you know, God just orchestrated all of this as a line. I remember reaching out to a foster mom in my town and I said, Hey, I have a feeling something's going to happen with my, with my student. And I'm wondering what the protocol is to have a relationship outside of the school. And then it wasn't even a week later when all of this unfolded. And it was just like a knock at the door of like asking those questions because every single situation is so different mm-hmm. and every walk is so different and everybody's why is so different. Yeah. And I think that is a big piece of like, you know, the foster care system, you know, as to why this person is fostering or how they got started fostering. And I think each story just ties back to the brokenness of a story that they have heard. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's really important. And I know like as a foster mom, you know, it's hard not to share every little detail, but it's like, you want to tell everybody every little detail, because if they hear one detail that they resonate with, it's like, they want, they, they have the power to run with that feeling and they have a power, they have the power to act on that feeling. And I think that if more people were to tell the story of how broken the system is, not just how beautiful it is and how I think the brokenness is what brings so many people that want to help it to get better. It's scary. It's scary to hear the brokenness, but I truly don't think you don't ever hear how beautiful foster care is to make you want to do it. Mm -hmm. It's always the brokenness. And so hearing her story and, you know, reaching out and like asking those questions. And I think that's really when it all started to kind of come together. That makes sense. And I feel like you're so right. There's like that need, that extreme need and that like extreme brokenness is like, that's what people are ever saying yes to. That's what they're entering into. Mm -hmm. And even though it's difficult and discouraging at times, a lot of the time it is still (laughs) worth stepping into. Yes. All the time. Let's be real. (laughs) Hey, Foster Mama, I just wanted to make sure you heard about Fearless Fostering, my deeply connected group coaching program for Foster Mamas. Fearless Fostering is reopening for enrollment in January. The program includes a luxury retreat, a curated community of foster mom friends, and ongoing coaching with me. Applications are open now for everyone on the wait list, and there are only 10 spots available for this round of the program. You can join the wait list today at fearlessfostering.com. So what would you say to someone who is like, okay, I feel like I maybe I'm, I'm wanting to step into this brokenness. I see it. I acknowledge it. I know I want to be part of the solution somehow, but it scares me. Like, what would you say to encourage them um, to just take that next step? 
Yeah, whether it is you are involved in a church group or, you know, your church ministry has a foster adoptive ministry, I think that's just starting to become extremely popular and a lot of churches are becoming on board with that. Whether it's that or you're serving or you're packaging a bag for a foster child, if it's you substitute teaching, I mean, the board's like so large. There's so many different ways to be involved or to hear a story it could be a family member's friend or a friend's baby there are so many ways and how are you going to know unless you ask I think that was my biggest fear like how and why like how can I ask and if if the answer was no then what can I like you were saying what can I do if it's not me Mm -hmm. and I think I would just challenge so many people to start the flow of helping small. And if there's a tug on your heart, which you will feel it, if, and it might not even be a certain child, you know, it could be a certain agency that you've seen help these children. And I think that's really important too. I would just say trust. The most thing that I would thing that I wish I would have done most is to get involved in more support groups. Instagram has been like my outlet with all the foster moms that I have met. And my story resonates with more people than I thought. And I see that through Instagram and knowing that there's so many single foster moms out there who are doing this and doing it as a revolving door and not mm-hmm. just one child makes me so happy and girls rule the world and it is so powerful to see but I really would just say go for it ask the right questions ask the wrong questions ask Mm -hmm. what you're ask what's on your heart and really get trauma informed because that is the number one thing if I could go back to is really to understand the whole brain child and to really know more about trauma. Yeah, I love that. Always being a student of of what trauma-informed care and trauma-informed parenting looks like. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's such a great reminder. Yes. You never stop learning that every single day. A smell could trigger anything. Yeah. It's it's a battle we'll fight forever, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Worth it. Worth fighting it for sure. 100%. Definitely a battle. (laughs) Oh, Paige, thank you so much for sharing your story with us um, and your willingness just to, just to be honest about how everything happened and how it looked and how it's looking now. Um, Where can people find you on Instagram to follow along with your journey? Yes, we love Instagram. (laughs) William is so excited that he can show his face out of a white heart. Um, my handle (laughs) it's so over the white heart my handle is just my first and last name Paige Bramlett we share all of our quirky life and you guys are about to see his little best friend coming home tomorrow yay oh my gosh cannot wait we're here for that content (laughs) yes yes awesome well thank you Paige and best of luck with your new edition times two tomorrow (laughs) thank you so much so fun